Welcome to Momentum Church. Good to see all y'all. We are getting into our week two of the Mastermind series. If you missed last week, I want to encourage you because this is a series that does build on each other. You'll get plenty today, I guarantee you, okay? But it builds on each other because I am having you guys do exercises on your own time each week as we're working through this. If you've ever been a part of a business mastermind, they'll meet. It's not a conference. A conference you go to, take some notes, put the notebook away, and maybe pull one thing out of it. You know what I'm saying? But a mastermind is something where they'll meet, they'll bounce things off each other, they'll learn a lot. Then between them and the next time they meet, they do a bunch of stuff to develop and to grow. And then they come back and they do it again. And so that's what church is this month, the next you know, few weeks. And so I want you to go to www.mymomentumchurch.tv, mymomentumchurch.tv, and you can look at last week's notes in the assignment, the exercise I gave you. And I'll, I'll hit that a little bit again at the end of the service today. Um, also, this week, there's going to be an exercise. And so it's a mastermind. I want you to get the most out of this experience as we, during this series, we begin to master our minds. Amen? See what we did there? Oh, yeah, yeah. Why? Why? Because we want to master our minds because we want to break free from the things that limit us. I believe God has a plan and a purpose for you. A destination, if you will. And a few weeks ago, I was riding my motorcycle here to the church. Most of you guys know I ride a bike, and no, I'm not a weekend warrior. I ride all the time, amen? And I was riding my bike, and something happened. I don't know what was going on. Coming down Arnold Mill, and all of a sudden, just room. It was, it just stopped running. I knew it wasn't anything with the engine, because the engine was clipping along perfect. I knew it wasn't anything that was going on with the stator, which is like a motorcycle's alternator, okay? Because it didn't just slowly dim. It just, in a moment, it went mm, down, you know? Something was going on with the wiring. I knew it. The problem had to be something with wrong wiring. And here's the thing about that. No matter what was right with the bike, I had just got new tires on it this summer. I'd put a new battery in it this summer. I, I mean, it was, I, I mean it, it, it was all there. It should be working. But it doesn't matter what is all right if there is wrong wiring, right? If something is crossed, if something isn't right. And so I want to just say that's kind of how it is with our lives. Because it doesn't matter all the right stuff, if there's some wrong wiring, we're not going to get to our destination, right? I want to ask you guys, what's your destination? Where are you headed? Anybody have some goals in here? Anybody got some dreams? Maybe a ministry call of some sort or a business adventure idea, something that you're pursuing? Most in the room, you do have those desires, those destinations in mind. I don't think it's an accident the word destination and destiny have the same root, right? I believe God wants to call forth destiny in every single one of you. I believe that when you were in his heart, literally, he already knew a desire in, a plan for you. But I don't know about you all, I've messed up a lot of God's plans in my life. You know? I got this for you, Ross. Well, I'm going to fight you as hard as I can to not walk in what you want me to walk in. <laughs> Every one of us has done that. Why? Because of patterns 
and faulty wiring that we have. But I do. I believe you are destined for great things in life. And, and I know we are created in such a way that we have an opportunity to choose evil. We have an opportunity to choose sin, right? But the only reason why we have that opportunity is because God created us in his image in the sense that we are able to be able to make decisions. He didn't make us robots, and so in the Imago day, as God created you in his image, you have a choice. You have a decision that you can make. And that is those decisions, those choices, they begin to shape our destiny. And so you can say like that motorcycle, there's nothing wrong. I know, I know at the core I'm a good person. I know at the core I want to do right. At the core, I dream and I, I pursue my dreams. At the core, I try to be good to other people. I have a heart to do right. I have the abilities to achieve. There's the mental capacity for me to dream and drive towards my goal. The same with you. You have that, amen? The problem that you have, although you have all the things right, your wiring at times is wrong. And I mean, when I say wiring, I mean, this stuff is shaped from the time we were born. Just the way we look and process and our experiences and so on. The problem we have is with our wiring. So in life, we're trying to drive towards our destination, but if we have faulty wiring, we will never get there. <clears throat> so last week, we started off talking about how this wiring is. And I was trying to despiritualize some of the things when it comes to walking into our future. Because so often, it's like, I prayed a prayer, and now I get to walk in what God has for me. How many did that happen? In time, but not right away, Right? I prayed a prayer, and I didn't drink anymore. That happens, but not always. I made a decision, and then from then on, I began to live out that decision perfectly. Not usually. It's usually a process that takes place where your mind and the patterns that are in your mind takes time to redevelop it. And I want to dig into that. Last week we were seeing how God so amazingly created us with the ability to re rewire our brains. God built into us the power of neuroplasticity. Everybody say neuroplasticity. It's just a great word. In other words, we don't have to be stuck in patterns caused by patterns we follow to do the current wiring of our brains. There is something that we can engage in that will start to rewire our brains with new patterns and new destinations. Amen? We can rewire our brains, giving us the ability to discover new patterns that will get us to our desires, our goals, and our dreams. Treating those problems that we might have begins with changing that thinking and the discovery of neuroplasticity revealed that you are not just changing your thinking. Listen to this. You are literally changing the structure of your brain. If I had a title this week and next week's teachings, it would be train your brain one. I like train your brain. Let's just say that's fun. Yo, yo. Train your brain one and train your brain two. That's, that's this week and next week. And you're going to see how all three of these weeks how they culminate next week really with bringing all this together to give you some really good tools to work with as you pray, as you seek God on bringing forth change. 
So let me remind you what neuroplasticity is. It's the ability of the brain to form and reorganize synaptic connections, especially in response to learning or experience. Everything you do and experience becomes a loop that feeds back, and those patterns get repeated, and that is neuroplasticity as it's literally changing your brain structure. It's the ability of the nervous system to change its activity in response to intrinsic or extrinsic stimuli by reorganizing its structure, functions, or connections. Let me get it less heady. What goes on in your mind and in your life changes your brain physically, period. I thought I had a spirit issue. Partially. But your brain drives everything. Remember last week I told you, it's like you have your flesh working here, your spirit working here. Your spirit's crying out to do right by God. Your flesh is fighting you. And in the middle, you have your soulish nature. That is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Y'all, it's not your spirit that's messed up. That's the God-breathed portion. That's that part of that spark of life that he gave you. It's your flesh that fights against you, but you have this filter in the middle that can feed the flesh or feed the spirit. And man, there's a spiritual component to that, but there's also a physiological component that's going on because God created you and your brain to be, a neuro, to be neuroplastic. I got, I got a hold of this about nine months ago, and I've just been geeking out for all... I cannot wait to walk through this with you guys. <clears throat> Excuse me. So much fun. So here's the thing. When you think or do something repeatedly, your brain actually changes its physical structure. Your environment, your experiences, your emotions, your attitudes. Here's one I was really bad with for years. Your self-talk. I mean, that could be good, but mine never was. Ross, you're so stupid. Ross, why do you talk so much? Ross, why is Brantley so much better looking than you? <laughs> no, I never said that. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, really. <laughs> That's our executive pastor, Brown. Um, but what's happened is your self-talk, all of your perceptions, all this, your brain is literally imprinting itself with every message it gets. And so the discovery of neuroplasticity says that because your brain is constantly rewiring and changing itself, listen, don't miss this, you are creating at this moment the person you're going to become tomorrow, and you are physically wiring that person into your brain. That's, I mean, I don't, that's not new age, guys. It's Bible. I'm going to show you here in a second. You're creating at this moment the person you're going to become tomorrow, and you're physically wiring that person into your brain as a man thinks, so is he, Scripture says. God created you that way. Now, don't you know the enemy knows that too? Aren't you like God? The moment you eat that fruit, you'll be just like him. That was a lie. We're going to attack some lies next week. But that was a lie. But owned in the moment, it separated them from the destiny that God had for them. The purpose God had for them in that garden. And that's how, that's how that is. And so science is catching up with theology. Let's look at some things in scripture that God is known for all eternity, obviously. But we can see it in scripture. And science is just finally catching up to it. In Job 38, 36, who has put wisdom in the inward parts or given understanding to the mind? God brings understanding to the mind, wisdom to the mind. And then the mind begins to cause these things to come to pass. Is it God causing them? Yes. But he's going to use your faculties 
to position you in such a way that you walk in all he has for you. It's not just going to be by prayer, although prayer is a part of it. Amen? Not just by fasting, although fasting is a part of it. Not just by reading the word, although the word is a part of it. All those things are a part of it. I want you to see what's happening on the inside of who you are when you pray, when you read his word, when you maybe pray in tongues, when you fast, when you seek God, when you give, when you, whatever spiritual discipline, all right? There's something going on in you, and that something is you're changing in your brain. I'm sorry, I love it. Isaiah says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. I have an old pattern of doubt and fear and disbelief, and my mind is so wavering. But oh, when I have my mind stayed on him, he keeps me in perfect peace. See, there's a new pattern that I'm starting to develop, and I've got my mind stayed on him, and now my flesh that gets all... I love, my, one of my favorite Yiddish words is spilkus. Oh, the spilkus? It, it, just, it just means needles. It's like, oh, you know, I think the Italians would say agita. But I'm sorry, Italian. Spilkus is so much better. It's like your flesh is like, I got the spilkus? You know, it's like, ah, you're just, oh, needles. But man, now I've learned to create a new pattern because I'm practicing keeping my mind stayed on God. And next thing you know, in my, my body, I'm starting to feel that peace and I'm walking in the peace of God. My spirit man is growing. See how that works? Because he trusts in you, it says. Jeremiah 17, 10. I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind. God knows what's going on. He's not just searching the heart. He's testing the mind too. I love it. To give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. In other words, your heart and your mind, they collaborate and create deeds, and those deeds create fruit. And it's called the fruit of your ways. All I know is I just want some new ways. I want things to change. And I, I don't want to just have the mindset I can just pray it away. No, Lord God, I want you to make me a new person in my thinking. And yes, prayer will be a part of it. And the word will be a part of it. But God, train my brain, Jesus. Change me. Romans 12, 2. This is the paramount scripture of this whole series. I didn't cover it last week, but listen to this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How does transformation come? By the renewing of your mind. Amen? When the patterns begin to change, guess what? The life begins to change. When the feedback loop gets set according to the word of how God would speak over you, then life begins to change. Transformation takes place. It takes work. I'm going to show you the work next week. We're going to have a, white, a big board up here. We're going to graph this out, how to take all these weeks together and give you some practical things to be able to live and see transformation in your mind take place and how God is doing that. But that's the crux. You're renewed. You're transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. God has a will for you. He has a plan for you. A destiny, if you will. A destination. And even if you got the tires and the, the, the motor and all the other things working, if we don't get the wiring straight, we're going to struggle to get to the destination that God has for us. So... When the wires aren't straight, we'll say things like this. Why does it seem like our lives aren't working when we need them to work right now? It seems like every time I want to engage, it's like everything falls apart. I'm going to make change. 
As soon as it comes out your mouth, that's when it gets the hardest. Why is that, you know? Well, why is it that we lack the power to live the way we want to at times? Why do we often make so many irrational and self-defeating decisions? It's wiring. Why do we try so hard to change, but we end up just doing the things that we hate? Remember Paul last week? The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. He was so frustrated. It's something in us. It's something that is wrong in our wiring, and you've seen it in yourself right? You think about the things that you're wired to do that just seem to come so naturally. I mean, like, why do you commit at times to stop arguing with your spouse, but you keep arguing with your spouse? You worry nonstop, even though you know it's a waste of time and it makes you sick. I'm not going to worry anymore, but you continue to worry. Maybe you are one of those ones that you leave a party and you're in the car and you're driving home and you're just like, oh my gosh, why did I exaggerate so much? What's in me that made me want to embellish the truth or even lie about my accomplishments? Why is it that I want people to like me so much? I gave them a self of me that isn't even me. Patterns, wiring, things that have happened for years that have developed this in us, and it's hard to break out. You freak out because you get your credit card bill, and it's like, oh my gosh, it's so high. I feel so burdened. Oh, I want to go shopping. <laughs> Why? Patterns, rewiring, amen? <laughs> I knew when I would call my grandfather, Wiseman, my papa, I knew as soon as I called papa, it would be, how are you doing? Oh, I'm not doing so good. That was every conversation for 20 years. I know I'm dying. I got cancer. Paul, Paul, you don't have cancer? He died at 96. <laughs> he smoked from 12 years old to 96. I'm not recommending this. I'm not. But literally, I knew because that was his pattern. You know, you having a good day? Yeah, but... It was, I loved my papa, but it was always going to be morose. It was always going to be some sort of thing that, because that was his pattern. It's just how his life was, you know? And then you got friends that maybe they're a little too much, you know? Their pattern, how you doing? I'm doing good, ready to take the world on with the, you know? No, but that's their pattern. We all have patterns. So <laughs> when it comes down to it, maybe you get frustrated with yourself. It's like, I know I'm supposed to put this phone down and stop scrolling but man, there's always something to see. There's always something to do. And your kid's over there going, look at my face, not some other person's kid's face. I'm cute. I know they're cute too, but I'm cute. But I just can't put the phone down. There's something about the outside world I've got to stay connected to. Maybe you decided, I am going to lose weight, but all the food is talking to you. The burrito is like, venga aquí, por favor. Tú necesitas... Los camidas ahorita para ti. No, I don't know. I'd like to do a French accent and talk about baguettes or something, but I can't. Wee oui, wee oui, baguettes. There you go. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, man. But, <laughs> but it's just so frustrating to you. It's like, oh, my gosh. You know, I, I mean, it's just, Yeah. We can keep going, but that, you get the point. <laughs> it's because patterns of thought and behavior are hard to break out of. It's difficult to will ourselves not to fall into ruts 
that our brains are programmed to follow. That's what's happening. These patterns, they produce these ruts, and we just fall into them so easily. You know, like I said, I ride motorcycle. I started riding motorcycle when I was seven. I mean, I've rode motorcycle my whole life, almost. And from seven to my early 30s, I dirt biked. And man, I'm telling you, there was a time when, I mean, I've gotten some pretty bad crashes. Like this arm here, it doesn't, it doesn't swing. You know, it's, I broke that ball off, and, and uh, it was not good. The guys I was riding with said my torso was about 12 feet in the air when I came off the bike on a jump, and, and that doesn't work. You would think you would quit riding. No. I rode like another four years. <clears throat> so we had a church event in Ohio that went a pastor there called Dirt Church. And we would all go like Thursday, Friday, Saturday. People could come any time during that. And we would ride. And on Friday night, we'd have a church service. And it was incredible. And people would bring all their unsaved friends. And so we'd have like 50 people there. Normally, there was pot and beer at Dirt Church. I'm just being honest. It was awesome church service. <laughs> no. But there would be. It would be crazy. It's like, do I, I smell weed? You know, and this is 20 years ago. Um, so weird. But long story short, it's Saturday, and I'd already packed up a bunch of stuff. I'm about ready to leave, and, and a family had come early that morning, and I hadn't had a chance to ride with them, and they're like, oh, come on, Pastor Ross, ride with us. Let's go ride, and I really felt in my heart, you're tired. You've been riding since, you know, wee hours of the morning, Thursday night when you got there. Like, I guess that's Friday morning. We'd always do a night ride. You're tired. You need to take a break. You just need to be done. You got, you know, but there's a pattern in me back in those days. Like, I just, I had to be all things to everybody. I wanted to do things in life where they're like, oh my gosh, he's crazy. I, I don't know why. Any other guys like that when you're in your 20s and early 30s? You like, you know, you just want to be over the top. And, um, and that was just my, 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 my mode, you know? I remember we were out riding one time and I knocked my shoulder out of place and I walked it up a tree and sucked it back in place. And, and then we're riding that day and there was this hill climb that went over a road and the guys are standing on the road and two of us went down and we came up and we jumped over the road back onto the hill and just kept on climbing. And when I got down, the one guy who was not a believer, he cursed in congratulations to me saying I was somewhat crazy. And guess what? My pride, my esteem is like, yes, I am. But it was a pattern that I should have been growing out of, but I wasn't. And so now I'm in my early 30s, and I got, I got, we're there, and these people show up, and they want to ride. And so I go, and I really did feel the Holy Spirit in my heart. You're just tired. Don't go. So I went anyhow, and long story short, I'm going down this trail with these guys, and this trail has tons of ruts. And you're supposed to stand on your pegs. If you know anything about dirt biking, you stand on your pegs. That puts your center of gravity low, and it keeps your tires stuck to the dirt. I was tired. And so I'm going down this hill fast, and there's ruts. And I sit down because I'm tired, and I'm not, my center of gravity is now high. And all of a sudden, I drop into a rut. And next thing you know, the bike bounces up and down and up. And it's, I'm like a, bunk, bu bu bunk, bu um, I'm like a, a guy on a horse that gets bucked off. And I fall. I mean, like my bike crashes. I slide from probably about here to that back wall, maybe further. And um, I go to stand up, I fall down. I go to stand up again, I fall down. And it was my ACL, I tore it. You know? Oh, that was really sweet, everybody. <laughs> this happened like 20 years ago, and everybody's like, oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> and you know what? I'm stupid. I should have went and got it fixed, but I just put a brace on it that had metal in it and I just kept living my life and riding dirt bikes and I could feel it slipping but and then that summer playing soccer again I should have got it fixed 
I shouldn't have played soccer, but come on, Ross, play, play soccer. Let's do this, you know? They need a forward. Let's do this. And long story short, that knee, I'm making a move in soccer, and I snap my knee. I mean, it just clearly snapped. The, the brace closes up like both of those pieces of metal were bent. That, it, was, it was not good. Hurt worse than my shoulder break. But I say all that to say there was something in me that had to hear those accolades. You're crazy. You're out there playing soccer hard like that on a knee like that? You're crazy. You got hurt earlier, and you're still going to jump like that? You're crazy. You're tired. You've been riding for three days, and you're going to go with this? There was something in me that needed that, a pattern in me. Amen? And so all I'm saying is the rut caused me to crash my brain out, brains out. And so how does our brain work to rewire itself? It creates ruts, both negative ruts and positive ruts. The reason we make poor decisions is because of how our brain works. We need to work towards a solution with the way our brain works. And that's what we're doing in this series. We're trying to create a solution to, 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 to train our brain the way our brains work. We have to not only recognize the unhealthy patterns, but also figure out the underlying problems. So I want to talk a little bit this morning as we continue on how does our brain work? Like what's causing us to make decisions and continue to make decisions? <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> so here's how our brain works. Every thought you have produces a neurochemical change in your mind. I'm going to geek out on you a little bit, all right? So you have a thought, neurochemical change happens, and it creates this, this movement in your brain, this work in your brain. The brain literally starts to design itself or redesign itself around that thought. And if it's just one thought, great. But if you know anything about thoughts, thoughts get repeated. The brain is a command center that directs the parts of your body through neurons that follow set patterns and pathways. And what those neuropathways, when you have thoughts and those thoughts are repeated and it creates neuropathways, what those neuropathways are, are ruts. That's what they are. These ruts are often carved deeper and deeper by something amazing. One of my favorite systems of the body. It's a bundle of, of, of nerves at the base of your brain stem. And that bundle of nerves are called your reticular activating system. Well, Ross, what's the RAS? What is the reticular activating system? You know, it's, it's the part of your brain stem or your brain that literally sifts through millions of pieces of sensory data being sent to your brain and then groups that data according to relevance and similarity. <clears throat> so the RAS looks for things that are similar or relevant. So if I create relevance to something, then my RAS begins to look for that thing. I'm the one that's creating thing. I'm the one that's doing the initial thinking. I'm the one that's setting in motion. But as soon as I say, I want an adventure bike, okay? As soon as that comes out of my mouth, I start seeing adventure bikes everywhere. An adventure bike's not a dirt bike. It's like it, you use it on fire roads and stuff. You don't go crazy like I used to. And so... What's crazy about that is my RAS sees them everywhere, and I've spoke it out to my kids, and guess what? Maverick, everywhere we go, Dad, there's an adventure bike. Dad, there's an adventure bike. You've had this happen with you. You want the Gleep, the, the Gleep Jadiator. <laughs> you want the Jeep Gladiator, you know? And as soon as you want it, everybody owns one. Baby, I mean, everybody has one. I see them all the time. You didn't even see it the day before you thought about it. 
But as soon as you fought, your RAS went into motion, and that information started to be something that you would continue to see um, um, repetitively and, 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 and with relevance. So your RAS, if the information that you see will keep you alive, if that information that you see prevents a problem, if it averts danger, or if it brings pleasure, the RAS is activated. And when that happens, the filtering system of the brain, all that data in your life, all that stuff, you begin to focus in or ignore what's important or what's not important. It, it, it filters all that, all right? So our RAS also utilizes our be- established beliefs to screen incoming information. So if we believe something and we live in that belief, then everything that we see will either support or oppose that belief, all right? It's the part of the reason we so often get what we expect in life. If you keep thinking you're a victim, and you're like, man, I, I never can keep a job. Every boss I have is stupid. Every relationship I have, they turn their back on me. All these people... If you start to go down that, your RAS starts to look for that and starts to create that in a sense in your life because that's your expectation and it starts to become your outcome, your feedback loop, your pattern. Your brain starts to look for evidence that supports that belief and filters out evidence that doesn't. Have you ever talked with somebody and they're talking about all this negative stuff and then you go, wait a second though, look at all you do have in your life. Well, this and that and da 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 You got your health. You got great kids. You got, you know what I mean? RAS. Setting a pattern and creating a rut, both for the positive or the negative. In that situation, the negative. And so you condition your brain to reinforce what you already believe, and it creates a victim rut in that incident. Your brain is designed to look for patterns and create neurological pathways to help keep you keep thinking the things you keep thinking and doing the things you keep doing. That's what it does. It just continues this on. This is why, we, this is why thinking new thoughts or trying new things is awkward the first time. Anytime you do something. Remember, you guys remember when you went driving for the first time? How many parents took you? How many parents paid somebody to take you? Yeah. My, my dad took me to the, 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 the city's cemetery. I'm serious. He's like, Ross Allen, can't kill anybody in here. <laughs> yeah, true. And I had to drive all around the cemetery forward, and then I had to drive all around it backwards, which was awesome. I get my license, and now I'm driving their car, but within the week of getting my license, I had walked over to this one dealership not too far from the house, and I bought my own car. It was a 1981 Datsun 310. Chick Mo... No, it wasn't Chick Mo. It was like a blue egg. All the extra insurance premium, none of the extra motor. I'm serious. It was just like, wow, oh my gosh. But this thing, you know, was stick shift. So I call my dad, dad, I bought that car. Okay, bring it home. I'm like, I can't. (laughs) Stick shift. He's like, Ross, it's just like a dirt bike. You've been riding forever. You just switch what your hands do for what your feet do and vice versa. No, it's not happening. So dad came and he got me home, literally took me around the block one time. It was a big block, but he took me around the block one time, parked in front of our house, got out, and it was like, 
all right, Ross, you got this. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait. And he's like, it's just like riding. Just your hands at your feet, your feet are your hands. And he left. I'm literally going up this road. <laughs> My car was Pentecostal. It, it, was, it, was, it was horrible. Well, I got kind of a hang of it, and I went to see my girlfriend at the time, and I just, I wasn't thinking about it, and I realized I'm coming down this hill to the stop sign, and then I realized, oh my gosh, I gotta come back up that hill with my girl in the car. <laughs> so I'm all nervous, I get her, and we go down the hill, and now I'm sitting there, you know, I'm trying to drop this clutch without destroying it in my life, and my reputation, and, and all of a sudden, man, I'm, I'm smoking this clutch. I mean, it's bad. We're going up this hill. And then it settled in, and we got up the hill. And she looked at me. I'm like, that's how you do it. That's how you do it right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I turned that little Church of Christ girl into a Pentecostal, right, on one car ride. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's so funny. So, um, <laughs> but you know what happened? The more you did it, the more natural it became. As neuropathway forms, those pathways form in your brain, the thinking, the thoughts, the taking action, all that stuff, it goes from being very difficult to very easy. So easy that you know you've done this. You're driving your car, and you end up someplace, and you're like, oh, what, what happened the last 10 minutes? I was driving to Atlanta. I don't, I don't remember Barrett, West Pace. I don't remember any of those roads. Oh my gosh, you've done that. How many's done that? Or you're supposed to go somewhere else, and now you're sitting at your job. Well, this isn't the mall. In other words, it's just that you're RAS. You got so familiar, so used to that pattern, you just followed it. Driving is just such a natural thing, you don't even think about it. Well, God created those neural pathways to work that way. God created those neural pathways to be a good thing, but don't you know the enemy of your heart will always love to bastardize everything that God has done for good. He wants to turn and turn and make it evil. You know that, right? Yeah. Somebody's freaking out. He said bastardize. <laughs> it's a word. So with enough repetition, falling into a neurological rut just becomes automatic. All right? Let's see, where do I preach past that? All right, so that idea of being automatic, how? By means of developing those neural pathways, repetition forms helpful ruts. Neural pathways can also have a bad thing. They can be good, but they can be bad as well. How do we begin life as a different person? Like, like we're living life, and next thing you know, we're becoming a different person than we ever thought we were. It just feels like you're automatically moving into this new reality, and you're, li you're not liking yourself. I don't like this. I don't like this present reality. How did I get it? How did I get here? You thought your way there. And it led to actions and so on. Uh, like no one plans on getting into a rut of sin. No one plans to get into a rut of activity that robs their future of God's best for their life. No, no. Sin has a way of taking us captive. Why? James 1, 13 through 15. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Now, I think you can paraphrase this. This is me. I'm taking liberty with the scripture, all right? But to say, well, God tempted me. If God didn't make me this way, I wouldn't have such a desire for this. And so it's God. No, 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 no. If God didn't create me, well, God, or excuse your sin... Well, that's just how God created me. 
Well, no, that's the same, it's saying the same thing. When tempted, no one should say, God's tempting me, for God can't be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Watch, how are we tempted? But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. So there's a thought, there's a desire, there's something. And then after desire has conceived, sounds like a pathway is starting, doesn't it? Then it gives birth to sin, and sin when it's full grown gives birth to death or the separation of God's best from your life. Do you see how that works? It's a process. The same reason you felt awkward the first time you were super sad. And next thing you're like, oh, I'm so sad. I'm going to go to the Chinese buffet. You're there by yourself. Okay, I was there by myself. And you're eating. And you're five plates in. And you felt good for a little bit. Then it's like, what have I done? What just happened? Or maybe, maybe it's not that. Maybe, maybe for you, it's like, man, it was a rough night. And usually I'm one and done or I'm two and through. But tonight, man, it, I'm like neck deep into a fifth of the lick. I, I, I just, and you drink your blues away. You passed out on the chair. And you're like, that's not who I am. But that night it was. Felt awkward. I know. You felt ashamed in the morning. I know. Got easier and easier, though. You thought of yourself as a victim who could never win. And you hated that, but it got easier. And it just became the way you always saw yourself. Responded to that bad experience by going shopping and spending way too much money. Maybe for you, you passed along some juicy gossip. Ooh, I shouldn't be telling you this. But, felt awkward. But, oh, it got so easy. It got so easy that people were like, don't tell her anything because she's a. Got so easy, it started being identifying mark of who you were, right? Or maybe it was difficult at first, it was weird at first, but you got yourself lost down a rabbit hole, clicking from one porn site to another. And it felt so weird at first, but now it just seems natural. In Ezekiel 38, verse 10, thus says the Lord God, on that day, thoughts will come into your mind, and you will devise an evil scheme. I mean, when those thoughts come, it's what do you do with those thoughts? The Bible says to cast those thoughts down that elevate themselves above the knowledge of God. Amen? But at times, those thoughts will come, and we, as this scripture says, we begin to devise an evil scheme. We look for the next opportunity to walk into that. There's a reason. I'm going to tell you why here in just a second. This life then begins marked by negative patterns. It's not who you were, but guess what? It is who you are becoming. And it's frustrating because it's like, why am I doing this when I know it's not good for me? Why am I doing this when I know I feel guilt? Why? There is a reason. It's called cocaine. Hold on a second. Might as well be because when we do things, there's a little jolt of pleasure that takes place in your actual brain. That buzz, that little jolt of pleasure is a chemical that your brain releases called dopamine. And the devil's going to tell you it's just who you are. But no, no, it's just it's the manipulation of your brain and the patterns and the neural pathways and this dopamine drops and, oh, it feels good. And you want to do it again, whatever that thing is. Whatever brought that pleasure, that joy, that peace, that whatever. It's the natural high. It's your brain's way of saying, I like that. Let's think that again. It's your brain's way of saying, I like that. Let's do that. 
that again. So you checked out the cute trainer at the gym. And it felt, ooh, she looked fine. I mean, as long as you're getting dinner at home, you know what I'm saying. The lady's like, uh uh-uh. That ain't the way it is. Guys are like going, is that okay? Did the pastor just say that's okay? No, I didn't. (laughs) Y'all look really nervous. It's like, did he approve of that? Is that what just happened? No. But next thing you know, it's like, man, you just want another little dopamine fix. And so it's a little more. And it's a little more. Now you're the freak that's there at the machine. (laughs) And and like the lady's got to go up and tell the worker, you know, it's like a freak over on aisle two, you know. No, I'm just saying, like, like, you didn't expect to be that gawky guy. But man, that pattern just started getting set. Does, see what I'm saying? Hmm. And it got less awkward and less awkward as you got more hits of dopamine. What stinks about that is, as you got more hits of dopamine, you needed more, just like cocaine. You needed a little bit more, you needed a little bit more. And it led you to do it again. By the third time of doing things, it's just much easier. Why? You're developing a neural pathway. You do the same thing enough, and you'll have a rut that you fall into automatically. You see how the neural pathway becomes a rut. You were designed to, to smoothly and efficiently create and fall into habits and neurological ruts. God created you. This is a good thing, not a bad thing. A neurological rut is awesome when you're brushing your teeth. How many gives a whole lot of thought to teeth brushing or Alabama toothbrushing? Dude, that, that, was, that was like, that was low-hanging fruit. It was just easy. No, but you don't give much thought. But you know what? It's, all, it's harmful when overeating, and you don't give much thought. You know, the, having that, that RAS and all this stuff, the neural pathway, that rut is great for making coffee. You don't even think about it. Just pop, 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 making the coffee, making coffee, boom, 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 boom. I mean, I have such a flow of making coffee that I don't think about it that if I do get interrupted in my flow, I mess up really bad. I mean, I'm serious. I'm doing something, and my kids, Daddy, can you? Yeah, I can. Push a button. And I'm deaf, so I don't hear all the water running onto the floor. It's like, I didn't put a cup under it, you know? Or I didn't put the thing in it. Like, because you're just in automatic mode. Something messes that up and costs you. <clears throat> but if you find yourself stuck in unhealthy ruts, there's some good news because God has given us a way out. This is why our exercises last week were designed to make you think about what you're thinking about. I want you to go back and use the exercise because that was the first thing. Think about what you're thinking about. We got to take captive and control of our thoughts. So think about what you're thinking about. Why was that important, Ross? Remember, because our lives go in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Whatever our strongest thoughts are, that's the direction that our lives start to go toward. So it's not just something that's spiritual or supernatural you're dealing with when you're dealing with things in life that are opportunities for sin. It's physiological as well. All this stuff, it's, 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 it's all in your mind. And God is challenging you to fix your mind on him. God is challenging you to think those thoughts that are good and pure, and etc. Why? Because he knows it's going to bring about the results because your life will go in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Let me give you an example. <clears throat> when it comes to something um, that you'll see physiological and supernatural or demonic involvement in this story, okay? So years ago, believe it or not, I had a woman flirt with me. 
Well, I, I would like to have seen one person go, yeah, of course, of course, you know. <laughs> Everybody's like, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I did. And, 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 and the thing with that was, here's the demonic side of it. It was a setup. The enemy of my heart knew what was going on in my life and manipulated the situation. So my wife was very pregnant with one of my children, very pregnant. That pregnancy to the point where you're not experiencing each other. Is that clear enough? Okay. So there's that going on. It's a Sunday morning. She's not feeling good. Honey, I don't think I'm going to go to church this morning. So that's going on. I'll just keep the kids here. Okay. So that's not going on. There's that. I had a seminary paper due, so I had told her I was going to spend the afternoon at the church office working on my paper until evening service, and then I'd come home after evening service. So I had what would be called an alibi, opportune time, time, all right? The person was not a tall blonde, no offense to tall blondes in the room. You know what my wife looks like. Everybody has a type, right? That's my type. Like my wife. I married her for that reason, right? So, <clears throat> so long story short, church is over. We're praying for people, and the church had lingered, and the, and the place is almost empty, and I lean over to hug this person, and when I did, because I'm a side hugger, and when in the first service when I said that, I'm a side hugger, all I could picture was me going, hug your side. <laughs> I just thought, that sounds weird. That doesn't sound any better. Like, I, I mean, I respectfully will grab your shoulders from the side and, and go like this if you're a female. So... I did that, and she turned into me and kissed my neck, passionately, like, like, sexy, okay? <laughs> Freaked me out. I mean, in that moment, it was just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is just happening. And so here's the thing. I believe it was a demonic attack in the sense that the setup was there, all right? The enemy knew what was going on that day, knew by, by how she woke up, and the enemy can't read your minds, but he sees the woman sick. You know, he knows what's going on and all that stuff. So everything's set up. But then here's what happened. When she kissed my neck, guess what? My, physically, my, my, physical, my, my physiology went into action. My heart started beating fast. I felt flattered, and I got flush in my face. That's a lot of Fs. I shouldn't tell you what I wrote here, but I will. I didn't say it in the first service. I'm going to get letters. Send them to Brantley at MomentumChurch.tv. <laughs> I said, I, I said, my heart started beating fast. I felt flattered and I got flushed in my face. That's a lot of Fs. What the F is going on? <laughs> and and that, was, that means frolicking. <laughs> what the frolicking is going on? <laughs> oh, gosh. So you see, here's the thing. A lot of times people are like, well, but it feels natural. It feels right. If it feels good, it's got to be God. If it feels good, I shouldn't feel bad about this. If it, no, no, no. Our warrant is what the word of God says. It doesn't matter what we feel. We can't go on our feelings. In that moment, my heart was beating. My face was flushed. It's like the, the response of a peacock, you know? Get two peacocks together, and the male's like. <laughs> you know? Goes into that, mate, like, it's physical. But we're not animals. We're the righteousness of God. You know? And so, but my heart in that moment is, ooh, you know? So here's the thing. Natural, supernatural. Physical and demonic. The enemy works that way. 
Now, I'm going to say this. I overcame that temptation really easily. You know why? Because having an affair wasn't in my programming. The idea was so far from my RAS that it was an easy decision. See how that works? Now, if I had created pathways that would foster an affair, my RAS would have made it difficult to say no. And I'd have blamed it on the devil. No, it's on your brain. You did it because you didn't train your brain right. If I had been looking at porn, if I had been flirting with that girl in the hallways of the church, if I had been in my own time of meditation and thought processes, whining about, I can't believe my wife won't give me. She's growing a human in her body. If you want to put another human in her body, you better stop being so ugly to her right now. (laughs) This is a fun day. (laughs) Guests are like, we're never coming back. Don't put that in your RAS. I'm going to help you, guest. I am coming back. Think this, think this. No, Jesus. All right. (laughs) Yeah, so I wasn't creating those things. But if I would have been, I'd have had an affair. Momentum would not have happened because that was just a few years before momentum, before we moved here to launch the church. I'd have lost ministry a long time ago. Couldn't say that this coming March will be 31 years of pastoral ministry in my life. Couldn't have said that if I'd been. Putting my RAS factor into another area, right? So here's the thing. I'll tell you something that isn't easy, though, for me. When I was young, just like you, I cried. My mama gave me a bottle, just like you. I, I, I would scrape my knee, and my mom would give me ice cream. That may not be like you. That was my mama, you know? My dad would correct me, sometimes a little strong, and mom would give me some biscuits and gravy. And please don't ever say gravy and biscuits. Don't. It's wrong. You don't say it that way. Come home from school upset because I was picked on because I was a short kid, big, thick glasses and chubby at a school of REO Speedwagon and Rum DMC t-shirts and I got corduroy britches and looked like freaking Harry Potter. What were my parents thinking? But I come home all down and, oh, honey, here, I, I got you some Cap'n Crunch here and some, some milk, gallon of milk. She let me eat the whole thing. And it was cute when I was a kid. Oh, my boy, my boy go through two gallons of milk a day, and I would. Till the doctor said, surely you got to stop doing that. He's 16. He doesn't need that much milk anymore. You know, just saying. So what happened? My brain created a neural pathway. Neuros linked together over and over with the same message. If you're hurt or angry or sad, eat something. Comfort yourself with food and eating became my built in response. And you may look at me today and not understand, but for 15 years dealing with obesity, this time, three and a half years ago, three years ago, I'm sorry, this time, three years ago, I was 300 pounds. And I'm telling you, if I was sad, I could go to the Chinese buffet and start eating and I could feel dopamine go. Does anybody love food as much as me like that? You feel that dopamine? Grab me a Coke and drink it. I can feel that dopamine. I'm serious. I can feel it. I can just feel it. Monday after staff meeting, I got to start thinking about my sermon for Sunday and get it locked in. I felt the stress. I'd go off and have my dopamine fix. And then I'd start writing my sermon. Oh, yeah. So driven by it, the natural pattern that I couldn't shake the pattern. Leave my house. And as soon as I walked out of the house, drive to the gas station, buy a Coke and a bag of chips so that I could have something to eat. I had food at the house, but I had to do that on my way to here. 
And then back and forth. Anytime I was driving a car anywhere, I was, I, it was food. That was just the pattern. Let me, let me go to another thing. This is going to be kind of eye-opening to you. A young person is in a vulnerable moment and experiences a flattering compliment from someone of the same sex. Dopamine is released, and the person is surprised by how that makes them feel. You know, a compliment's good. No matter who gives it to you, it feels good. And in that vulnerable moment, the dopamine is released. But then, because of that, the person begins to continue to position themselves in a way for more flattery and more encouragement. Guess what? More dopamine. And a pathway starts to be established. And then if the flattery was good, a hug, it brings even more dopamine. There's confliction. This isn't who I am. This has not ever been always been, this has not been my desires my whole life. What in the world's going on? I don't know why. But the dopamine is too good. And so the dopamine. And then, man, a shared kiss, even more dopamine. And a neuropathway is established. Guys, it's physiological. And we, we can say a demon set it up, and yeah, I get that. I think it's demonic as well. I get that, the setup. But I'm saying what's going on in the mind is physiology, but the enemy knows how to work this because as that's happening, the enemy gets in the ear and says, this is who you've always been. This is who you really are. This is how God created you. And guys, you may look at that. You could look at any life-giving, life, life, life kind of decision that, you know, is outside of the best that God has for you. You can look at anything. You'll always be a drunk. You this, you that, whatever it is. All I'm saying, have compassion. Can you have compassion when people are struggling with sin? Well, you did it to yourself. Yeah, but it was such a good setup. The enemy is so good. Have compassion. Amen? I don't want us to be a church like, like I can't believe those sinners. Well, I can't believe you guys are a bunch of sinners sitting in the church. You're saved, but you struggle, you know? So I say that because I want you to see how the enemy uses physiology and his lie to take advantage. One last one and we're done. This is literally the second longest sermon I've ever preached in my life. You want to hear the first longest? <laughs> it can affect your finances, this, this, this whole RAS thing. You know, the, the pattern is important if you're going to receive what our generous father has for us because God ain't broke. All right. Hey, here's the thing about that. I have two sets of children, same wife, but we have 10 years between the sets. The first set were raised while we were playing this church in its infancy. And when the church and the world was going through the great recession, the second set have been raised since then. Since the church has grown, since we have some extra finances, you know. And long story short, in the first set, just to think how a children will look at dad and dad's provisions and that kind of thing. Hey, Auburn, what do you want to eat for lunch? She said, McDonald's. What do you want? I know what she's going to say. She's going to say chicken nuggets, honey, water, and french fries. She wants chicken nuggets, french fries, and water. I'm not saying the order right, but that's what, you know. Why? Because she was used to that. That's, what, that's how we live. We go to, we go to, to Mikasa and get a meal for the family. I said a meal for the family. <laughs> Five of us, one platter, one meal, and then, man, eat them tortilla chips and all that free salsa. That salsa is cold soup, baby. That's all it is. It's cold soup. <laughs> just, just hurts my stomach. Eat it. <laughs> 
We'd get maybe a taco or two as they got bigger. You know, we, we were there one time, and a lady from the church had her mama with her. And they surprisingly paid for our meal. And the next time I saw the lady from our church, she said, my mom was wondering, like, how in the world, like, family of five, you ate for like 16 bucks with the tip. That's how we roll. I'm a wise man. Come on, somebody. <laughs> no. No. But, but, but here's the difference. Arden and Mac have grown up a little differently. A couple weeks ago, I said, hey, Arden, what do you want to eat? She said, red lobster. I mean, it's not, I mean, you know, someday when we have grandkids, they'll be like, what do you want? Chris's cat, Chris, whatever it's called, Chris, no, that, I'm not, Red Lobster's not bougie, but my others would never even thought that was an option. Why would they, you know what I mean? So, yeah, so we can do that with God, too. We can, we can forget how he provides, because we've just been reminded of our lacks so much, rather than reminding us of the richness of his word, and who he says he is, and who he says we are, and being, ooh, being determined to live by the promises of God, because God is amazing, and who he is is a provider. We'll talk about that more next week. In every one of these situations, you have an opportunity to be rewired by trans, being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so every idea is an invitation to think differently so as to rewire yourself for your desired income. Take control of those thoughts because unless we decide to break the pattern, our lives will continue moving in the wrong direction. So how are you going to train your brain? How are you going to rewire it? By choosing to think differently in every moment that you need to. That's how. And so to give you an exercise on how to help that, last week, I don't have time to talk about it too much, go back and look, think about what you're thinking, and we asked you to look at what you're thinking, and we gave you a list of defensive questions and offensive questions. I want you, if you didn't do that last week, go spend half this week with that. Spend three or four days with that, okay? And then write things down and just take control of what you're thinking. And then what we're going to do today is I want you to ask yourself, what rut am I currently stuck in? What pattern do I find so easy I fall in? That rut, that, 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 that RAS that just continues to see, and I move down into that pattern. What is that? And then those patterns, those ruts, they're always caused by a lie. What's the lie? God revealed to me. And I want to be able to have you do this in such a way that the Holy Spirit brings some revelation. Amen? We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to speak. He's a speaking God. And so I want to pray with you as you go into this exercise this week, okay? And then, and then do it. And then next week, we're going to have the board up here, and we're going to take all these things and bring it together to give you a practical way to start retraining your brain. Amen? Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us, Lord, as we listen to your voice, as we ask these questions of ourselves about what we're thinking, and as we look for those patterns, those ruts in that thinking, and the lie that causes it, bring revelation, that we might be able to take captive our thoughts and walk into the destination that you have for each of us. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.com momentumchurch.tv